The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Well, coming up, I'm going to talk to Ed Valentine of BigBlueView.com to preview this game coming up on Sunday afternoon against the Giants. Eagles looking for a little bit of revenge after the Giants beat them a couple of weeks ago, surprisingly, when the Eagles traveled to New York for a game in which Jalen Hurts played his worst game as a professional, so Eagles looking to to uh, hit back against the Giants after a quick week, as we all know, of course, having just played a few days ago on Tuesday night, a very short week for the Birds, but luckily taking on a Giants team that has a lot of uncertainty at one key spot. So we'll talk about what's been going on with New York over the last few weeks, uh, the future at the quarterback position for them, and some key matchups to watch on Sunday afternoon between the Birds and the New York Giants as uh, the Giants look for the season sweep of the uh, of the of the Eagles but uh, um, I don't think any of us are, are too concerned that that's going to go down on Sunday afternoon uh, but before we get to Ed Valentine and, and what he thinks about this weekend's game um, we did find out this week of course that uh, Nick Sirianni has uh, tested positive for COVID-19 as of this recording uh, we still don't know whether or not he will have cleared by the time Sunday afternoon rolls around but it Looking more than likely to, to be that won't be the case. So um, he will not likely be on the sideline for the game on Sunday afternoon. But as we think about the transformation the Eagles have undergone since the first half of the season and, and really the team they've become over the last seven weeks, the fact that they are seven and seven, they, the fact that they are looking pretty good as a as a playoff contender here it does look like given their schedule and given what the Minnesota Vikings have to face over these next few weeks and uh, kind of the way things are going momentum wise the Eagles I think have a really great shot I think it's more likely than not that they will take that seventh playoff spot in the NFC and sneak in as the last playoff team that third wildcard team and if that happens Nick Sirianni has to get consideration for Coach of the Year, which seems like a ridiculous sentence to say when two months ago I was openly wondering whether or not he was going to be a one-and-done head coach. He looked completely overmatched. He looked as though he had never been on a, on a football sideline before. It didn't appear as though what he was doing was tethered in reality in any way, shape, or form. And then all of a sudden, as soon as he decided to commit to the run game, decided to 
forget trying to make Jalen Hurts into a Carson Wentz type quarterback and, and a guy who's pushing the ball down the field and lean into the run game. Once Nick Sirianni did that, we've seen this Eagles team transform and we've seen the Eagles play calling be creative. We've seen them expose matchup problems each and every each and every week even in the loss to the Giants a few weeks ago this the the offense didn't do a whole lot but that that wasn't really on Nick Sirianni it was Jalen Hurts just playing the worst game of his life that week Nick Sirianni I I was struck watching the game on Tuesday night some of the play design some of the misdirection the fact early in the season remember he remember when he wasn't using any pre-snap motion earlier in the season like he wasn't helping Jalen Hurts in any way shape or form diagnose what was coming on defense there was no pre-snap motion there was no there was no deception everything was it looked like the Eagles were playing preseason football everything was so vanilla there was no mystery as to what the Eagles were going to do this past week, and it's been the same over the last seven weeks, there's been a ton of pre-snap motion. You've got a ton of jet sweeps. You've got a lot of putting the receivers in motion. They had Darius Slay as a slot receiver last week. I mean, it's been more creative. It's been more inventive. And as a result, and thanks to the work of Jeff Stoutland and the offensive line, and by the way, if you could give a coach of the year award to an assistant coach, Jeff Stoutland might have to be the guy, the Eagles offensive line coach for what he's done with this offensive line, who have had players come in and out of the lineup and not miss a beat. This offense just continues to open up gaping holes in the run game, and they're doing well enough in the passing game to protect Jalen Hurts. But I, I, as I think about the coach of the year, I, and I look at Nick Sirianni, I, where does he rank among coach of the year candidates, right? Based on what he's done. And if he can get this team into the playoffs, I think there's a real shot. This team goes 10 and seven, frankly, given we don't know exactly how badly the Cowboys are going to need that final game of the season. They might need that game for home field advantage. Given the fact that the Cardinals slipped this past week, um, you had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers slip this past week, really opened things up for the Dallas Cowboys to potentially get that number one seed in the NFC. They might need that final game of the season, in which case uh, the Eagles could have a real battle on their hands, though that game is at home. But you got to like their chances against the Giants this week and then in Washington uh, the week after that before welcoming the Cowboys to Philadelphia in the final week of the season. So let's say the Eagles get into the playoffs Given where they started at the beginning of the season, given the expectations coming into the season, and given the fact that this team is pretty limited as far as what it can do offensively, is Nick Sirianni the NFL Coach of the Year? Well, let's look at some of the other candidates. I think before they lost two straight, the Cardinals' Cliff Kingsbury probably seemed like the front runner, but they look like they're starting to leak a little bit of oil. Maybe it's just a a small two-game losing streak and and they'll bounce back. But Kingsbury no longer, I think, is the the unmitigated favorite. I I think you have to look at the fact that they have stumbled, that they're not playing good football right now when they need to play their best football. And Cliff Kingsbury, I think, is is still a good candidate. And if Arizona does, let's say, win these last three games, he probably is the favorite. But... The way Arizona is trending, unfortunately, it doesn't seem as though Kingsbury has a lock, has a stranglehold on this on this award. So I think one, I think probably the leader in the clubhouse right now is Bill Belichick of the Patriots. I hate to say it, guys, but look at what Bill Belichick is doing with 
a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones with the Patriots. He's turned New England into a legitimate contender. The AFC is wide open. There is no favorite in the AFC. Any AFC team, from number one to number seven, quite frankly, could go on a run and get to the Super Bowl. And I wouldn't put... I, I, you know, if I'm placing bets, which I'm not, I, I don't I don't know that I don't make Bill Belichick and the Patriots the favorite. It seems crazy that a rookie quarterback would take his team to the playoffs. But remember that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady went to a, won a Super Bowl in Tom Brady's first year as a starter. Now, I know Brady wasn't a rookie necessarily, but it was his first time starting. But, uh, you know, Bill Belichick took an unproven quarterback to a Super Bowl, and he seems to be doing it again. With Mac Jones, a quarterback. I'm not so sure Bill Belichick isn't the NFL coach of the year. I mean, maybe they want to go in a different direction just because, you know, writers tend to want to give these awards to someone who's new. They're not necessarily somebody who's been doing it for two decades. But it's hard to argue. Bill Bill Belichick hasn't turned in the best coaching performance of anyone in the NFL this year. I think Mike Tomlin and what he's doing with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are at 7-7, and has been has been incredible and he deserves recognition and, and deserves consideration. They may have less than the Eagles do Pittsburgh. They, they have less talent on that team with Ben Roethlisberger who can barely stand up on his own. I don't know how they have won seven games in a tougher division, right? In a division in which you've got a good Browns team, a good Steelers team and a good, and a good Ravens team. The fact that the Steelers are still in the mix at seven and seven Despite all their injuries, Mike Tomlin just every year gets that team to play, gets that team to play effective football. And it's kind of, I, don't, I don't think he can make an argument over somebody like Bill Belichick at this point, but it, it's time to recognize what Mike Tomlin is doing in Pittsburgh. And it's just as impressive as what Nick Sirianni is doing in Philadelphia. Um, and I think one other guy to consider, and he, he missed last week's impressive win over Tampa Bay, uh, because he was in the COVID-19 protocol, but Sean Payton, Sean Payton, there's no, the Saints have no business being seven and seven right now. They're behind the Eagles in the pecking order of the wild card. Again, uh, Nick Sirianni beat Sean Payton earlier this year. So maybe that's uh, a reason if these two teams finish with the same record, the Eagles would win the tiebreaker. Sirianni will have won the head to head matchup against Sean Payton. So maybe you have Sirianni ahead of Sean Payton for that. But you, you look at, I mean, Nick Sirianni has Jalen Hurts, who has his faults, but clearly has some ability. Sean Payton has had Jameis Winston and had Jameis Winston playing well until he got hurt and then was going with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill as his quarterbacks. And somehow the Saints are 7-7. Seven and seven. Now, Alvin Kamara is a good player, no doubt about it. And the, and the Saints defense has played really well. You shut out Tampa Bay, you're doing something right. But Sean Payton has that team 7-7. Seven and seven. Boy, oh boy, I'll tell you what, that's a, good, that's a good coaching job going on down there in New Orleans, and it's just as good as what Nick Sirianni is doing in Philadelphia. But Nick Sirianni... Again, for for all of the thought of him being a one and done coach, and I got to tell you, two months ago, after after they after their loss to the to the uh, Los An- Las Vegas Raiders, I did not see any way Nick Sirianni was going to be back next year. I really didn't. I, I really didn't. I was I was out on Nick Sirianni, and and I have been proven wrong. And listen, he has done a one eighty. He has completely changed. 
He is doing things totally differently now than he was. The offense is far more inventive. Listen to some of these statistics. If you need the case to be made, listen to some of these statistics. Dave Spadaro of the Eagles listed a few of these, but um, there's a few others here. In their last seven games, the Eagles lead the league in scoring efficiency. That is the percentage of drives that result in a field goal or a touchdown at 52.9%. So over the last seven weeks, 53% of all Eagles drives have ended in points. Do you remember the 2007 Patriots that went undefeated in the regular season and almost went the entire season undefeated before losing to the Giants in the Super Bowl? That team with Tom Brady and Randy Moss? Those Patriots scored on 53% of their drives. The Eagles are at 52.9%, essentially the same number. That's how good the offense has been over these last seven weeks. They've been the 2007 Patriots. They lead the NFL since week eight in explosive plays which is defined by the coaching staff as a passing play of 16 or more yards and or a running play of 10 or more yards. They have 80 explosive plays since week eight, the most in the NFL. The Eagles are averaging 214.4 yards per game, starting with the game in Detroit, and they have been over 200 yards in those five games. In five of those games, pardon me. Averaging 214.4 yards per game. Is that on the ground? That must be on the ground, I think is what he meant to write. And they've eclipsed 200 yards in five of those games. The Eagles are second in the league in points per game over the last seven games at 29.3 points per game. Over the last seven games, they're averaging more than 29 points a game with five wins in those seven games. Here's a stat that I think is really indicative of how effective the Eagles have been. The Eagles rank first in the NFL in third down efficiency, completing 51.6% of their third downs into first downs. They have 14 second-half rushing touchdowns this year and seven first-half rushing touchdowns, which is an indication that the running game is destroying teams in the second half. This team is grinding it out. It's grinding it out. We, we saw it this week against Washington. They kind of got off to a slow start, but they just, they just they lean on teams and they lean on teams and they lean on teams until finally those teams just kind of crack. And this Eagles offensive line and the running game and the option and the, uh, you know, the, the read option and you know, every, J- Jalen Hurts every now and then will we'll, we'll tuck it back and, and hit Dallas Goddard down the field for 40 yards. Right, I mean, they just—that's what this offense is doing right now. 175 or more rushing yards in seven straight games. They're the first team to do that since the 1985 Bears. And if you look at the Eagles' offensive rankings since Week Eight, they are second in the league in points per game at 29.3, second in total yards per game, 388. First in rushing yards per game, first in third down efficiency, first in scoring efficiency, and first in explosive plays. I mean, you just—that's just a—that's a, an encapsulation of all the stats I just read to you since week eight. So Nick Sirianni has turned things around by relying on the running game and just understanding that Jalen Hurts' ability as a runner is better and he's more of a threat than his abilities as a passer. So he's leaning into it. He's using what he has. It's what he said he would do, and that's what he's done. So. I think right now I probably rank the coach of the year this way. I probably go Belichick, Belichick, Kingsbury, Sirianni, Peyton, and Tomlin right now. But I could certainly argue with any number, any combination of those five guys, really. Um, If you have Sirianni at the top, 
I couldn't argue that over Bill Belichick and, and Cliff Kingsbury and Sean Payton and Mike Tomlin. He's been that good. He's, he's gone from a one-and-done coach to a potential coach of the year in two months. Just goes to show me that you, you can't give up on a guy too early in his career. Half a season uh, does, not, does not a career make. And so, um, amazingly, the Eagles could have a coach of the year candidate on their hands here in Nick Sirianni. All right, well, up next, we're going to talk to Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. We're going to preview this game coming up on Sunday afternoon against the Giants. We'll do that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And joining me to help break down part two of Eagles versus Giants this year is Ed Valentine. He's the editor-in-chief of the Giants SB Nation site, Big Blue View. You can follow him on the Twitter machine at Valentine underscore Ed. Ed, welcome back to Eye on the Enemy. How are you, buddy? Good, John. How are you? Hey, I have a request, though. Of course. I'm always taking requests. Can we just cancel part two and and and, and leave it at part one? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no. The, the short oh, answer is man. no. Absolutely oh, not. Oh man, I'm sorry. You know, see, part part two does us does does the Giants no good at all. So well, let me. I mean, at this point in the season, with your starting quarterback done for the year and really no chance at reaching the postseason, you kind of want part two, don't you? Because I I mean, I think the way things are trending with the Eagles and with the Giants. Another loss helps strengthen, you know, draft positioning and whatnot. And I know that's not how Joe Judge and the rest of the Giants players are thinking. But as a Giants fan, at this point, over the last three weeks of the season, I would imagine you're you're probably rooting for some L's just to kind of move you up into draft positioning, right? I'm just rooting for the season to be over. <laughs> to be honest with you, I just I I just want it to be done. Yeah. This is five straight years of double digit loss seasons it's a ridiculous low point for this franchise and i just want it to be over with yeah can we just can we just be done i hear you just forfeit the last three games and be done i hear you well i mean that would work fine for us i think you know if you just didn't (laughs) want to if y'all didn't want to play this sunday i think that's fine so i guess you're not putting into a whole lot of credence into the the fact that the eagles had to play on tuesday night and are getting the giants on a short week here are you like that's that's not going to be a thing that's that really affects the outcome of this game well i do think that there's a possibility that that the short week for the Eagles is something that helps give the giants a chance. I mean, I'm just coming at it from the perspective of, of the outcome just doesn't really matter for the giants at this point. Obviously Mm -hmm. it's the Eagles just like it, just like games against the Cowboys, just like games against Washington football team. Giants fans would like to to see their team win those games. Mm -hmm. It just, it, it, in the big picture, in the big picture, though, nothing else that happens the rest of this season really matters that much for the Giants. Regardless, I think, of what happens, they've got two picks in the top 10, mm-hmm. and, and they don't play any meaningful games until next year. 
Well, I know that the the fact that you don't have your starting quarterback for the rest of the season obviously factors into a little bit of a malaise here because part of, I think, just like with uh, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles, much of the 2021 season was, I think, going to be a, a referendum on Daniel Jones as the team's franchise quarterback. And again, like you said, um, here they are. He wasn't. He's not responsible for all of the losses this year that uh, that the Giants have accrued, but. Um, you know, waiting for Daniel Jones to kind of take that step forward with at the beginning of the season, what seemed like uh, a number of uh, skill position players that he had uh, at his disposal. Um, where are you on Daniel Jones now as this team's franchise quarterback? Is is he the guy next year in, in 2022? Is, is he the starter uh, in week one next year? Well, John, it's really a, a layered question or a layered response to that question. I think that the best path forward for the New York Giants, and we've been talking about this a lot at Big Blue View throughout the course of of the last week, the best path forward for the Giants, in my view, is to continue with Daniel Jones next season. And I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is going to be the guy that he's a top 10 quarterback that that he can lead this franchise to a Super Bowl title. Uh, I'm saying that the best path for them in 2022 is to stay with Daniel Jones. And, and if you don't mind me talking for a bit, I can, I can explain why. Please, please. Um, the Giants are sitting in a situation with two first round picks next year. If you look at this draft class, most analysts will tell you that there is not a slam dunk quarterback in this draft class. Right. There is not really a quarterback who belongs in the top 10. Although let's be honest, someone will take a quarterback in the top 10, maybe more than one team will take a quarterback in the top 10. But if you're taking a quarterback in the top 10, you're reaching for a quarterback, you're reaching and praying. What I would rather see the Giants do is take those two top 10 picks and build a roster, get a, get a stud offensive lineman, get a stud pass rusher, maybe take one of those picks and trade back into 2023 and add even more resources, give themselves two picks the following year rather than reach and hope for a quarterback. The other thing that gets talked about is Russell Wilson to the Giants. And, and that's a nice dream, except I look at it this way. You have to give up a ton of draft capital to get Russell Wilson. Plus, the Giants already are cap-strapped for next year. They're about $9 million over the projected cap for mm -hmm. next year, which means you bring Russell Wilson in. He's got $50 million on his contract about 51 million in cap hit for the next two years total. So you have to renegotiate his contract and you still probably have to cut one or two players that you'd rather keep. So you're bankrupting your roster and you're bankrupting your draft capital for a 34 year old quarterback that, that you're not going to be able to put a good roster around. And, mm -hmm. and what sense does that make? 
No, it makes it's exactly what I think the the situation the Eagles are are, are facing. Although I think the decision to stick with Jalen Hurts is a much easier one. I think Hurts has had obviously a stronger season than Daniel Jones has had so far. But um, again, you're you, any team that has an uncertain quarterback situation is looking at the draft. It's looking at guys like Russell Wilson, like you said, and asking themselves, you know, are we a are we a a, a great quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender? Or d- does it make sense at at this stage in our growth? to invest heavily in a quarterback like Russell Wilson. And I agree with you. I don't think that would be an area if I'm the giants that I'm going in, I'm, I'm looking to try and, you know, get under the, you know, get, get some more cap room and, you know, for a team that is that loses as many games as as the Giants have over the last few years, the last thing you need to do is throw $30 million a year or $25 million a year at the quarterback position. John, if you're Russell Wilson, why do you Why would you do go to New York? <laughs> unless unless <laughs> you and your wife want the New York market and it's not about football. Yeah. Why would you do that? Unless it's about being in the market to take advantage of other opportunities. Why would you approve a trade to New York mm-hmm. when you know, based on the circumstances, that they can't put a good team around you? Yeah. No, that's totally fair. And I and if and if that is the motivation, if it's not a football reason then what kind of a player are you getting? You know, what, what kind of motivation is there um, for, for that player to actually perform for you? So that's definitely some questions this offseason for the Giants and, and for 2022. But uh, let's talk about a little bit this game on Sunday. And it's not going to be Daniel Jones, the quarterback. It's going to be Jake Fromm. And, you know, for Eagles fans who don't know a whole lot about Jake Fromm, we're thankful that w- with a short week that the Eagles defense is not facing a stud quarterback, somebody who could really take advantage of that. What should Eagles fans be expecting from Jake Fromm on Sunday afternoon? Honestly, John, we have no idea from a giant's perspective. We are simply hoping that it is Jake Fromm who plays quarterback instead of Mike Glennon. The way we look at it, there is no decision to make. Mike Glennon has been terrible in his three weeks you know, starting in place of Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to go forward with him. Joe Judge will not come out and say Jake Fromm is starting, but but I can't imagine the Giants doing anything other than starting Fromm. I mean, he's a kid. He's only been on this roster for three weeks. Mm -hmm. The Giants, you know, pulled him off Buffalo's practice squad. I think it was December 1st. So he's only been on the roster three weeks. He's a former fifth round pick in 2020 by the Bills. Hadn't played an NFL snap until the final three minutes on Sunday. So I don't really know what to expect. I don't think the Giants fully know what to expect. But at this point, why not? Maybe he can be part of your quarterback room next year. Maybe he can ascend to be the number two guy. Maybe he gives you that much. And if he doesn't, if he's terrible, what difference does it make? Mike Glennon is terrible, right? (laughs) Mike Glennon is Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon is barely, I I used the term the other day. He's, he's an NFL quarterback because he gets a uniform, Mm -hmm. but he's, but, He's not a good player. There's just no point in the Giants playing him any longer. So give this kid a couple games. He doesn't have a big arm, whatever. Give him a couple games. See if he can be part of your quarterback room next year. Maybe that answers a question for you going forward as to how heavily you have to invest in, in, in 
guys behind Daniel Jones, but, but why not give the kid a shot? Maybe it excites the offense a little bit. It it's, it can't hurt anything. Looking around the Giants offense coming into the season, I thought they were pretty talented at the skill positions. You have Saquon Barkley, obviously, at, at running back. Uh, you, had, you brought in Kenny Galladay. Uh, you brought in uh, you had Darius Slayton uh, uh, left over from, from uh, pre- last year and, and previous years. You know, Sterling Shepard. Not Sterling Shepard. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Sterling Shepard's been retired for quite some time. Um, who am I thinking of? Um, no, you are thinking of Shepard. Am I, okay. Oh, Sterling Sharp is the guy I got. Yeah, Sterling, Sterling Sharp. Sharp Sterling Shepard. They're always going to. Yeah. Okay. Two Sterlings. <laughs> <laughs> so you have Sterling Shepard. There Shepherd. you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Evan Ingram at, at, at tight end. I mean, there were some there were some thoughts that this Giants offense could be quite productive. And I would where the where the, the fact that this offense hasn't been able to get going all year. Is, is it a is it the quarterback that's been the problem? Like, wh- why has Kenny Galladay been so invisible for for much of the season? Has it been the play calling the offensive coordinator? Jason Garrett gets fired midway through the season. What's going on with the offense? John, it's been a combination of things. And it's one of it's one of the reasons why assessing Daniel Jones has been so difficult. They the Giants took a huge gamble on their offensive line in the offseason. They gambled on a young, unproven, but homegrown offensive line with four guys that they drafted, and Nick Gates being the fifth guy who was an undrafted player who they developed and who had turned into a pretty solid center for them a year ago. What happened was Shane Lemieux, who was going to be their starting left guard, got hurt in the first week of training camp, and he made it through 17 snaps this year. Nick Gates, who was going to be their starting center, didn't make it through the first quarter of the second game of the season. Matt Pert, who was going to be their starting right tackle, had a lousy training camp and lost that job. So there's three-fifths of the offensive line that you planned on using that's not there. Mm-hmm. And you know, so, so their offensive line has been in disarray since week one. The only offensive lineman they have who I truly believe they can go forward with is Andrew Thomas at left tackle, who's turned into a really good player. The other issue, I mean, it, and you're talking about, obviously there were issues with Jason Garrett. There's a lot of belief that, that, that his offense was too vanilla, too predictable, you know, all of those things. And, and, and he got fired as a result, but, but you can't have an explosive offense when your explosive players are on the trainer's table. Saquon Barkley's missed a bunch of games. Kenny Galladay's missed a bunch of games. Kadarius Tony's missed a bunch of games. Sterling Shepard is now out for the season. And I think he only played in six games all season long. Um, So you you just can't have an explosive offense. I think Evan Ingram missed a couple games. Darius mm-hmm. Slayton missed three games. John Ross missed a bunch of games. You can't have an explosive offense when your offensive line is a mess and your playmakers are in street clothes most of the time. It mm-hmm. just doesn't, it, it's just not going to work. We've never, ever seen the offense that the Giants planned or thought they were going to have this year. We've never seen it, not once. 
Let's uh, flip the script and, and look at the uh, Giants defense uh, against uh, an Eagles offense that is rolling right now, especially uh, running the football. Even in the loss a few weeks ago, the Eagles ran the football really well against New York. But uh, for, for whatever reason, the Giants were able to keep the Eagles out of the end zone in, in that ball game. Uh, the game plan that the Giants used a few weeks ago against Jalen Hurts, where Jalen Hurts had probably his worst performance as a pro, can they can they run it back? Can they do the same thing against Jalen Hurts? And how effective do you think it would be a second time around? Well, John, they can certainly try, but I, I think Patrick Graham is too smart and too creative to try to do exactly the same thing. Not to mention the fact that that I think that I sat in the press box in that game and there were a couple of Eagles writers next to me and you know, I kept, I turned to them a couple times and I, I was saying, as well as the Eagles are running the ball, why are they ever passing it? <laughs> why are they ever even bothering to throw it? There were situations in that game where I thought, and maybe the Giants baited them into it. I don't know for sure, but there were situations in that game where I thought the Eagles abandoned the thing that they do best, mm -hmm. which is run the football, rely on Jalen Hurts' legs, rely on the, the zone reads and the RPOs. And I thought that there were too many situations. At the end of the game, you're behind by a score. The clock's running out. You have to throw. But I thought there were too many situations where the Eagles relied on Jalen Hurts' arm when they didn't have to. I'll be honest, that is not a mistake I expect them to make again on Sunday. We'll see how the Giants defense holds up, but I expect the Eagles to try to pound the Giants until the Giants until the Giants force Jalen Hurts to throw the football. And I think we saw some things from Jalen Hurts last week as far as throwing the football, still making some mistakes, still missing some plays, leaving some meat on the bone uh, on the field, but also starting to get a little bit more comfortable throwing the football, especially when defenses have to kind of watch him as a runner too. It's, it's really, it's interesting how Nick Sirianni, I mean, Nick Sirianni's, you know, we don't know if he's going to be there as we're recording this. We don't know if Nick Sirianni will have cleared the COVID-19 protocol uh, at this point, but he's done an excellent job uh, play calling over these, uh, over these last uh, seven or eight weeks while the Eagles offense has been, has been rolling. So um, Ed, as we, as we look ahead to Sunday afternoon, I don't get the feeling that you're optimistic. The giants can pull off the season sweep here. So give me your thoughts on how things shake out on Sunday afternoon. John, I wonder what gave you that idea. <laughs> I really do. Listen, you know, we, we do our weekly picks at, uh, at big blue view and, and I have already picked the, the Eagles to win this game. And, and look, I would, I would love to look at this game from a giant's perspective and say, Here's a chance for the Giants to steal one because the Eagles are coming off a, a short week, you know, in a, a big game against Washington. They've got bigger fish to fry later in the season. But I don't see the Eagles. I just don't see the Eagles sort of letting this one go, taking it lightly, overlooking it. I mean, you've got you've got too much to play for mm -hmm. because the Eagles are in the thick of the playoff hunt, you can, you know, they're, they're basically for all intents and purposes tied for the final wild card spot. Yeah. You've got the home crowd in Philly. If there's any lethargy or tired bodies left over from, you know, from having played Tuesday night, you've got that, that 
that wild home crowd in Philly to, to lift players up a little bit. And you've got the only loss for Philly. And I think the last five weeks, you know, a game that I'm sure the Eagles feel like they let slip away. You've got that to avenge. I just feel like there's too much for the Eagles to play for, for the giants to, to sneak in there, you know, with a, with a first time starting quarterback and, and win a game. Fair enough. I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think uh, pretty much everybody is is on that side. I would be if there are people out there who legitimately think the Giants uh, will win this game. I, I'm fascinated to, to, to hear the reason why, but uh, you are not among them. And I'm not sure that there'll be many other folks over at uh, Big Blue View uh, who will disagree with you. But folks, make sure you're following uh, Ed on Twitter to check out everything that's going on over at BigBlueView.com. Follow him on Twitter at Valentine underscore Ed. He has a really good piece that uh, came out today, I believe, where you went over the four major mistakes of the Dave Gettleman era uh, with the Giants. So that was a good read. So folks, make sure you check that out. Um, check out everything Giants over at BigBlueView.com. Ed, thanks so much for joining me on Eye on the Enemy. I appreciate it. John, thanks for having me. Well, and as we wrap up Eye on the Enemy here, let me give you my prediction on what I think is going to go down here on Sunday afternoon. And I, I think against this Giants team, whether it's whether it's Jake Fromm, um, and we still don't know who the quarterback is going to be, whether it's whether it's going to be Jake Fromm or, or whether it's going to be Mike, Gle- uh, Mike Lennon. This this Philadelphia Eagles team should win this game. They they like like Ed mentioned, it is a revenge game for them. It's a home game. They they really should not have lost to the Giants in the first place. The Giants quarterback situation is a disaster. Their offense is a disaster. And despite the fact the Giants will probably throw a few more wrinkles at Jalen Hurts and uh, Nick Sirianni, I think the Eagles offense is just in too good a groove right now. The offensive line is playing too well. And fingers crossed they don't lose anybody else to the COVID-19 protocol list. Uh, I, the, the Eagles have way more on offense now than what the Giants can handle. Uh, the, this will probably be a game that, again, is close in the first half. And like I mentioned in the first segment, the Eagles just kind of lean on teams until finally their their legs crumble from underneath. And uh, I think that's what you're going to see in this game here on Sunday afternoon. So I think the Eagles, uh, I think the Eagles are are a problem. For, uh, for both Giants quarterbacks, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see another Darius Slay pick. Um, look for a look for a game, uh, another you know, hopefully another good game from Fletcher Cox. It was good to see him step up. He's really good in December. For all, all we complain about Fletcher Cox, he is a very good December player. And so another big game from Fletcher Cox would also go a long way. I think the Eagles end up winning this thing pretty comfortably. I'll say 30-13. to 13. And folks, that'll do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks again to Ed Valentine for joining me here on the podcast. Folks, don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every single day for the latest Eagles news, notes, rumors, and all that good stuff. And check out all of the podcasts we have for you here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Live a five-star rating and a review at Apple Podcasts if you don't mind. And tell your friends about us. We're on Spotify as well, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. Yeah.